Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. We skipped the latter part of chapter 2 because it's basically Paul talking to him about dietary regulations and also special, following special festivals. Um, we're not totally sure what was going on with the Colossians, but there was probably some kind of syncretic practices, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of mystery religion, a little bit of what will become Gnosticism, and uh, part of that involved dietary restrictions. Um, you know, there's, there's certain groups that, that part, not only Jews, but other groups who part of their religious practice is dietary restrictions. Certainly, some of the Eastern religions don't eat certain things. So it's probably some of that going on. Remember, you know, this part of the world was a crossroads of East and West. So there was a lot of ideas going around in the first century. Um, so that's part of what the backdrop of Paul. So Paul says you don't have to do any of that. And then he begins with... Verse 1 of chapter 3. Listen to the word of God. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ was in, your, in you, your life is revealed. Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever, you, whatever is in you is earthly. Fornication, purity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you all once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all those things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new life which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In this life, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. May God bless the hearing and reading of his holy word. Let us pray. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds that we may encounter you, living God, through your word proclaimed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Reverend Bruce Larson was one of the um, most popular pastors in America, you know, well-known in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s. Uh, he was a World War II veteran, uh, was, a mili- was a sergeant in the infantry. Uh, he was one of that great generation that could have done probably anything he wanted to do. He was smart, handsome, athletic, uh, but he gave his life to the ministry and during his lifetime wrote 20-some books, was a very popular speaker, really made the University Presbyterian Church in Seattle one of the premier churches in the country. Um, I heard him speak a couple times, and, and I remember this one story he told. Um, it's funny, I can't remember what to talk, but I remember the story. It was very memorable. And he was talking about, he was down in Florida vacationing, and he was doing what you should never do. He was swimming by himself, okay, and he got caught in a riptide and taken way out. I don't know if any of you have ever had to fight those, but he got taken way out. And, of course, he, was going to, he started to panic, which most people would do. He said, I, I was starting to panic, and then I remembered. I can tread water for six hours. Now, he was in pretty good shape, and I don't remember how. I don't know if that was from boot camp. He knew he could do that, or he had you know, done some sort of water test. But he said, I remembered. I can tread water for six hours. I don't have to panic. 
he says. Now, he, he jokes, says, now, you know, if I was out there five hours and 55 minutes, then maybe I would start to panic, right? But he was rescued. And what struck me about that story, and what stayed with me, is frequently we forget what we can do, or more importantly, we forget who we are. Paul, in many ways in this passage, is telling the Colossians, remember who you are. Not who you used to be, but remember to whom you belong. Remember you have been baptized into Christ. Matter of fact, all the language in this text, though it's not explicitly about baptism, uh, no, it actually is explicitly about baptism. The word's not mentioned, but all these analogies which we'll look at are really about Baptism, what it means to be in Christ. Now, you know, one of the things here as he as he goes through this list, you know, he got to go through a fairly common list of vices. Matter of fact, a lot of the list of vices there in Paul, there in other places in the New Testament, you could have gotten them out. There were all these little morality books on how to live out there, kind of like there are today. And some of them were Jewish. Some of them, a lot of them were Stoics. Okay. And so you could have a common list of things that was bad. So this, so Paul actually borrows from that list of bad. And he goes particularly through a list of sexual kinds of sins. And it's important to keep in mind, particularly when you're reading the New Testament, that sexual anarchy was a consistent charge the Jews made against Gentiles. The fact that that was totally out of control to them was one of the many examples why the Gentiles did not have the truth. Matter of fact, People in the, in the ancient world or in, in late antiquity believed eros cannot be resisted. <laughs> it is a god that you will lose to. All right? So ethics at least tried to contain it. Right? We, can't, we, can't, we can't control it, but maybe we can contain it. And part of the message of the Christian faith was you are not a slave to the flesh. It really was an anti-deterministic message. You're not bound by your flesh. You're more than a bundle of desires. You're more than an animal, is how maybe we would say it. Um, and on the contrary, you've been set free. You know, one of the things I think that um, historically Christianity has gotten so wrong is that ethics in the Christian faith are really about freedom. They're not about condemnation. They're not about hating this world or hating bodies. They're really not even about gathering together particular numbers of sins that we think are worse than others. That has more to do with Freud, I think, in the 20th and 21st century than it has to do with the Bible. The great message of Christianity was freedom. You don't have to be enslaved to your passions. You're more than an animal. Yes, you need food. Yes, you need shelter. Yes, you're a sexual creature. But that's not the only thing you are. And matter of fact, your higher self transcends all of that. That's really what's being talked about here. And I think sometimes the problem with the purity culture is that it fails to understand that what the New Testament is offering is freedom and not restriction. But it's interesting. Certain Christian groups get all hung up about certain particular sins, but we ignore some of the other ones, right? Okay. For instance, greed equals idolatry. Now, that's something actually Adam Smith would have affirmed. And if you have, know you're Adam Smith, okay, all right, that's not an anti-capitalistic statement. Okay. Adam Smith would be equally appalled 
by some of the things that go on right now. But you don't often hear sermons about greed. Also, what else does he talk about? Uh, anger, wrath, malice, slander. I've never heard an argument that, well, should this person be part of our church because they're a gossip? Should we, ad- should we ordain the self-professing gossip? Yeah, but the Bible talks more about that than some other things. Right? So, so, you know, Paul is just kind of, he's covering his list here. But on some levels, these are all kind of vices about being out of control. Gregory the Great once said that the language of the soul is their desire. Augustine says something similar. Um, my love is my gravity. Or my love is my weight. Whatever I love is what's my foundation going to be. Paul's saying, you've been loved by God. You've been loved by Christ. You've been baptized in Christ. That's who you are. Your desires should be set on higher things. And that's what you will attain, if you would, right? Okay. You're no, you're no longer these people that are in bondage. You're no longer people that are disregarded by society. You've been baptized. And the language is amazing. I mean, I, you know, each one of these words could be itself a sermon. But he says you've been raised with Christ. Okay. Now, you know, the, the whole even baptism, when, if you can imagine, if you remember dunking or if you've ever seen one immersed by baptism, which I was, okay? You're, you're buried in Christ, but you're raised again. Matter of fact, the whole baptismal act, okay, is one that imitates the death and resurrection of Christ. So you're no longer here in a very real sense. Because you're baptized into Christ, wherever Christ is, that's where you are. Where is Christ? Christ is with God. So yeah, you, you may be in the middle of a um, sweatshop in Colossia. Okay. You may be your master's slave. You may be dealing with a chronic illness. You may be dealing with a financial calamity. You may be dealing with a life that hasn't worked out how you wanted it to work out. That may be where you're at if you look around. But in reality, you're with God. And part of Paul, what he's trying to say, you need to have that perspective. Yes, I'm not denying that we live in a material world. I'm not denying what's going on with you right now. Okay. I'm not sure if you went to El Paso this morning and said, oh, you know, you're all with Christ. That wouldn't take the pain away. Or the tragedy. Or the national scandal, if you would. But, weapons of hate, an impersonal bureaucracy, a microorganism living within you, cells behaving badly, a market that turns away, a company that no longer appreciates you, a relationship that failed, none of that gets to define you. In other words, because you're alive in Christ, you can face whatever you need to face in this life. That doesn't minimize the pain, the damage, or the hurt. It says, though, that this does not get to define you. One of the greatest privileges I have in my work is being with people on their worst days. And I've been with a lot of people on a lot of really, really lousy days. And being able to say, but you still belong to Christ. This ultimately doesn't define you.
You have died with Christ, meaning the old life is past. <laughs> I remember I followed a, a very difficult situation years ago, and I was trying. I was going around visiting people, and uh, this one uh, woman said to me, "I, you know, she brought up what had happened with the previous pastor." I said, "Well, you know, as Christians, we need to forgive." And she goes, "Oh, I've forgiven him, but I'll never forget." <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> okay. I think I think you need to keep working on that forgiveness thing. Man. Okay, I'm not judging. Real forgiveness is hard. Okay, but, but that doesn't sound like mercy to me. Okay, <laughs> right? It is, but I mean, it's hard. If you've been wrong, it's hard. People, I mean, I, you know, I I understand that, right? All right, this our life is hidden with Christ. He says, "What you will be, you will be revealed." Now, that's probably one of the more amazing things, you know. That our our true selves have yet to be revealed, and that this idea that we will be renewed in the knowledge according to the image of the Creator, that God created humanity in God's image, and God is recreating us in the image of God as well. So I, I didn't I didn't re ask you this, Brian, but I did ask you one time if I could use a story you told me, sure. and it's a great story. All right. Um, Brian told me a story about his grandfather, who was a, a great teacher of hockey. He was a remarkable man. And, uh, and actually related to this because I was a soccer coach and had a similar incident one time, but they didn't have a goalie on the team. So he picked a goalie. And if I get this wrong, you can ask Brian. He can correct it afterwards, all right? But they didn't have a goalie. And, you know, they put the guy in the goalie. The, your grandfather gave him a pep talk. He got shellacked, right? He, got, he just got shellacked, all right? Uh, uh, and uh, he didn't want to go out there again. But his, grand, the grand, his grandfather said to this boy, said, you know, you are, you are a goalie. You just need to put something between uh, the puck and the net. <laughs> okay. Have you ever been goalies? If it was so easy, right? If it was easy, put something between the net and the goal, right? Easy to say. Yeah. And then you've been parents of a goalie. I've been a parent of a soccer goalie. Yeah. 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 You just pray. Don't let it happen. <laughs> but what was interesting, this kid became player of the league. I mean, and became just this remarkable goalie. And he, he won the award. He won an award of some sort. And it was great. He got the award, but he brought it over and gave it to his coach, Brian's grandfather, and said, this award is not mine. It's yours. Now, the power of that is that um, that's what Christ does for us. You know, Christ is saying to each of you're, you're my son and my daughter. You're a child of the living God. Okay. You look around and you go, well, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, you, you know, you could be looking at your checkbook. Well, if I'm a child of the living God... You know, how about a lone God? You know? <laughs> okay. Or, you know, I'm a child of living God. Can you do something about this hip? Because it is not cooperating today. Okay. Or if I'm a child of living God, can I just have some thunder? I just want thunderbolts for just, you know, a few <laughs> minutes. Right? No. But, but in Christ, we're baptized into God. We're baptized into the very life of God. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And so there's a sense where part of the mystery of God within us is that we become that, right? Um, but the credit, if you would, belongs to Christ, right? 
the true, the true, um, and, and that's not to minimize our hard work in this life. It's just to realize that it's a gift. You didn't earn being a son and daughter of God. In the same, in the same way, no one else can judge that, right? Because God's the one who determines it. You know, you are my son and my daughter. You know, it's interesting, though. He's just not talking about us individually. And one of the things about Paul, he always brings it back to the group. And that's one of the things that's important. Um, baptism makes us one in Christ. Communion reenacts it, okay? But except in extreme circumstances, we always take communion what? Together, right? You know, if you've been waiting as a progressive to believe that the Bible is a non-relevant fiction, or if you've been a conservative, uh, waiting to give up interpreting the Bible literally, this week's text may be a good reason for you to stop getting rid of the Bible because it says some things that we may not like, right? It tells us we need to get rid of all things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language, seeing that you've stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In the renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, uh, Barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all in all. You probably know the Greek and the, and the Jew, you, you get that, okay? The barbarian was a non-Greek, okay? Scythian was like, this expression was, Scythians were no better than animals, okay? They were the original deplorables, okay, if you want, all right? So if you got called a Scythian, that wasn't very nice. Um, so the baptized are all equal in the eyes of God. There's not class, culture, color, or creedal divisions from God's perspective. When God looks at us, his redeemed children of God. It doesn't matter if you are a woke Greek or a deplorable Scythian or a liberal mainliner or a conservative evangelical. Christ is all that matters. So at the very least, we need to watch our mouths and our social media accounts. And begin the radical task of being our brother and sister's keeper, right? I mean, that's, in other words, Paul doesn't say, oh, you're a new person in Christ, and that's for your own personal experience. He goes, no, now you need to take that knowledge and treat each other well. Bruce Larson said this one time, our friend who could tread water for six hours. On days when life is difficult, and I feel overwhelmed, as I fairly do, it helps to remember in my prayers that all God requires of me is to trust him and be his friend. I find I can do that. I would add, it's more than just trusting him and being his friend, but remembering, remembering not only what Christ has done, which we're about to do in the sacrament, but remembering because of the work of Christ, And because you are baptized into Christ, remembering who you are. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. I invite you to stand as we say together the Nicene Creed, which is in your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Maker of heaven and earth, and all that is seen and unseen.